Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Manliness. Um, I want to do a quick shout out to my man uh, Wergy for the production and for teaching me how to play the bass. Um, uh, I'm starting to do a lot more on YouTube if anyone's about and they want to go and check it out. Uh, and um, shout out to the patrons as well. Today, I am very, very pleased to have and feel very honoured to have uh, Rosie King on the show. Hey up. Hello. Now, I didn't realise that you were such a superstar. <laughs> I, like, I, 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 so you did the TED Talk, um, yeah. which was brilliant, and I totally Thank agree you. with everything you said. Uh, so like before, um, like yesterday, I was, um, I thought I watched the TED Talk again, just to kind of jam up a little bit. And then I put your name in, and it's like, Loads of stuff come up on YouTube with you. Loads of it. And I was like, fucking hell, she's a superstar. <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> I can't believe it, though. Definitely not a superstar. Um, we've just, the, the family's done, we, we thought we'd, we, we'd do as much as we could for to try and make a better world for, for the kids, really, and raise awareness and acceptance. So, you just have. I, uh, I mean, that's why I do this. It's like, Actually, you know, like uh, like with my mental health, just deciding actually I've got nothing to be ashamed about. Um, exactly. If I talk about it, uh, I feel better and other people will feel better as well. So fuck it. You know, like, it's like, you, you can't help it, can you? Why would, you shouldn't be ashamed. No, exactly. So just, just the more people know about stuff like this, like, like the better, really. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like, so we kind of, uh, I first kind of got introduced to you via the live stream thing with um, Pet Needs. And, yeah, um, yeah, and then we were talking, we've been talking a bit online, haven't we? And obviously, like, you know, your autism, uh, it it rings with me because my son's got autism. Um, So, um, 
so I, you know, like, I'm kind of with you that like these things need to be talked about, you know, like, like in your, um, your TED talk very much about the, um, like what's normal anyway. Like, Sorry? Yeah, uh, in your TED talk, you were saying about like, like what's normal anyway, like, yeah. what, like normal shit, normal boring. <laughs> There's, there's like a kind of um, an, an idea, like a, an idea of the of what people need to be in society. And there's just like roles everybody's got to play. And I think if we all just thought, actually, the world didn't make me crazy for no reason, I'm just going to be who I am. <laughs> um, we'd all just be much better off with um, just with being as honest with yourself and living as your true self as you can, no matter who you are. And it's so, I, like, I often think about, um, like, a lot of my mental health problems have been through the fact of people having expectancies of me to be a certain way because I'm a man. Uh, and then um, and then hiding, trying to hide and not be who I am. And the minute I stopped that, I just felt so much better. It's like suddenly, it's like this weight. Picking up a costume. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's just fucking bullshit, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> it's ridiculous. There's a thing a lot of autistic people do called masking, yeah. where they like pick up tips, well, tips and um, traits of neurotypical people and um, just try and act as though. And that's why I like, I think Daryl Hannah, whom, who's, um, who was autistic, did a did an interview about how she's such a good actress because she's been acting a whole life, yeah. uh, just through pretending to be this neurotypical person when she's really not. And masking is exhausting. It's, a, it's something I have to do a lot just to cut through everyday life. But when I can just be myself, it's just like oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a bodice or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I totally agree. Even trying for me, trying to put on a brave face and pretend everything's all right. And it, like basically, you're fighting what's inside you in many ways, and it is. It's exhausting. Like people do not get it. They don't realise that. Like I spent most of my life tired and shattered, and it's because like I'm hiding and fighting an internal thing. And it's like actually, you don't really have. You know, you shouldn't have to hide it. You know, you shouldn't have to, but people are arseholes. I <laughs> think horrible people around you, like, and they'll, they'll see it as a vulnerability and they'll dig into you. There's such an expectation with men as well, like, oh, if you have an emotion, then you're weak. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, I know, I know. It really is, yeah, you've got to be manly. Uh, you, can't pretend, you can't ever be vulnerable because uh, yeah, you're, you're letting the whole side down. <laughs> you're letting every single man down yeah. <laughs> one emotion like, no where that's... does it say that being vulnerable don't mean it's being manly like that's the it, sorry I'm not good with words <laughs> yeah, it's just frustrating man like I think uh, I don't know it's just kind of I think some of it's nature you know some of it's like the bit where men are meant to be hunters and gatherers and that and there's a certain amount of that is just in us and we can't help it um but i just think it's everyone's duty to think 
You know, it's like, it's your duty to think and think, oh, is that good? Does that work? Am I upsetting people? You know, you're like, it's everyone's duty. Other people. <laughs> yeah. So, where, where, so where are you at now then? Did you, like, I was watching, um, so it seems as though, like, you've done stuff, like, on BBC from quite early on, quite young. Yeah, um, there was a there was a thing that um, um, I, that my mum did an article in um, a local paper because my mum wrote my mum wrote little excerpts about the family um, sometimes um, when we were growing up because uh, both my brother and sister are profoundly learning disabled um, as well as autistic. Um, my sister has a condition called microcephaly, which is um, have you seen American Horror Story? Yeah. You know, Pepper. I can't remember it well. I was microcephaly. It's not the most, it's not the... Oh, I do know. Yeah, it's not the most flattering portrayal of microcephaly, but um, that's what our Daisy has as well as um, autism, and our Lenny's autistic as well. Um, so, and I'm ADHD, Tourette's, and autism. <laughs> so, Maram wrote a lot of um, articles about the family, and that was picked up the attention from the BBC. And they came to do a little news excerpts about the family. And um, it all just kind of took off from there. We got more attention from different news outlets and different TV places. And um, we just thought it would be a good, a good opportunity to raise awareness and acceptance. Because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And we wanted to show that we're a happy family and there's a lot of love in our family. And we want to show that autism isn't a bad thing and neither is any other disability. It's just a thing. And that's just how it is. No, I like, uh, people are often like, oh, it must be really hard with my son Jude. And I'm like, well, no, not really. It's just normal. Like, that's just, he's like that and I'm like this. (laughs) It's like, it's not particularly, it's frustrating, it's difficult sometimes. Um, Who's raising any child? Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Sign on for parenting to be for it to be easy. <laughs> it's totally right, but like I, there's also lots of like, like there's loads of things I love about him being autistic. You mm-hmm. know, like I really do. You know, like I wouldn't change it. Like he's really, really loving, uh, and he's constantly telling you he loves you, and he's always wanting a hug and that kind of thing. And you're like, you know, the trade-off, like, I, I, I keep it, you know, I, 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 it's so lovely that he's like that. And, uh, you know, as a parent, like, that's what you want, isn't it? You want your kids to really love you. <laughs> so it's, it's great. Just all I want for the kids is to be happy and healthy, and that's it. I wouldn't change the kids for the world either. They just, I'd like, you know, when you look at somebody and your heart hurts a bit because you love them so much. It's just like a die for the kids. They're just so wonderful. Yeah, I get that with my kids. But uh, like sometimes like, I worry about Jude in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I can get quite upset about it. Um, but then I always kind of come back to the fact that he's, like, he's just really happy. You know, he's always really happy. Nothing seems to bother him in the same way. As, you know, like the little things that bother everyone else, they just don't really bother him. Like he's kind of gets obsessed with things and gets lost in things, and I can I can recognise myself in that because I do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm bad for that. 
So did um, so the last thing I saw is that you did you go to university? I did. Yeah, I graduated last year. Oh sweet! What did you do? I did English and creative writing, um, and I got a first, which I was dead chuffed with because <laughs> I didn't do very well in high school. But I did well in uni, so I was very chuffed with. Oh wow! <laughs> you got first. It's so like I I did a degree in like uh, criminal justice and I got uh, oh, wow. like a two one and um, like really? I thought I just scraped through so I was well well pleased. But the people who got first were generally the ones who worked like they studied all the time. They put in so much work. So whenever anyone gets a first. <laughs> A whole year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, so whenever anyone gets a first, I know that they've worked really hard for it and they deserve it. You keep freezing. I'm, we're freezing. <laughs> yeah, let me move over here. It might be better. I've got a. Might be a bit better. Yeah, hopefully that'll be a bit better. Be good. Yeah. yeah, I'm back. I'm back. It's stupid. Like uh, I've got like a Wi-Fi thing in here and everything, and um, I don't know. It happens sometimes. Just technology, and it. So, so do you think? It might be uh, me. But one of the other things I really liked, like the TED talk, was how everyone expects someone with autism to have this magic skill, like the Rain Man thing, <laughs> and it's just yeah, wildly frustrating. Like the other, the other day, I, I saw my oldest sister, and she was like, "Oh, how's Jude, my son?" And then she, I was like, "Well, I don't worry about him." She's like, "But he loves something that he's really good at, won't he?" And I'm like, "What? You mean like Rain Man?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> it's not always fucking like that. It really pissed me off. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh like yeah." I know one person with autism, if you're if, if if you're not exactly like that, then I'm gonna be furious. Yeah, it's just so. I so keep saying with uh, autism and autistic person. I keep mix, mixing them up. Some people, some autistic people, really don't like the with autism thing, and then some people, some people prefer with autism. And um, I just want to um, say I don't mean any offence for either. From either thing, like I, I'm, I'm happy with either, with either saying. But some people, it means a lot to some people. So I've not heard it. Yeah. Well, is it so? People, some people don't like to say that. Say it again. Most people prefer the autistic person thing because um, they feel like a person with autism feels like it's more of an accessory rather than who they are as a person. Oh, um, okay, okay. But some some people prefer the person with autism thing. And it's I think it's very much personal preference, but it, to, to a lot of people, it's very deep, deep-rooted. Um, but for me, I don't really mind. Yeah, that makes sense though. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah, it's like, it's, it, it's, you, you know, like rather than you know something you can kind of switch on and off, I guess. Yeah, like you're carrying it like a bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it's I feel like that sometimes with depression when um, 
Mm. People seem to think that you can switch it on and off and it's like, you, you, oh, you're depressed, so you can't take responsibility for anything, you know? And, like, and it's like, oh, right, yeah, so I, I choose to fucking have this. You know, like, you know, you wouldn't, you know, like, you, you choose to, for things to be difficult. It's like, you know, no, just ridiculous. You've got to look on the bright side. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times I've heard that. <laughs> so do you, uh, so do you, uh, like, do you suffer from depression? Um, yeah, I've had uh, depression and anxiety and PTSD since I was 11 years old. Long time then. Yeah, I... <laughs> I'm 22 this year. <laughs> so half your life. Half, half my life. life. Way. Yeah. yeah, I got depression when I was, uh, like, kind of diagnosed with clinical depression when I was nine and I'm 44. Wow. Yeah. I only, feel, I, I only just... Last couple of years feel like I've kind of really turned the corner, but it's like turning the corner. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really pleased. But it's like, like I know it's always there, uh, and that acceptance is a huge, huge deal, isn't it? I think you know, once you accept things, it's so much, so much easier. Well, easier. <laughs> so you've had a lot of things to have to accept then. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, like the autism, ADHD, and Tourette's is just something I live with and I've lived with all my life. People ask me, "Oh, what's it like to have autism or Tourette's?" And like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know any other. But with um, with depression and the anxiety and the PTSD, it's different because that came later on in my life, and I know, like, I know a difference. I know. I know what it's like to not be mentally ill. So it's like, it's not really the same thing all because, and also the autism and ADHD and Tourette's are, neg are necessarily negative, but whereas the mental health, mental health issues are for me anyway. Yeah. A lot of people send kind of link in having been disabled with being mentally ill and think it's the same experience when it's not. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's yeah something. Yeah, mental illness is quite. Uh, it's like I can't even start to kind of really explain it to anyone. Like to say, uh, it, it's almost like it's separate to you in some weird way. Yeah. Um, like it just it can just kind of come along and it. And, and you don't even really realise it sometimes, and then it's then it's kind of got you. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's like it's like it's walking alongside you all the time. Just like it feels kind of separate in many ways, but in other ways, not at all. Very very hard to explain. Mm. Very very hard. So how have you? How have you? Hey? Sorry, you go. I just want uh, how you've kind of gone about dealing with that? With um, mental health issues? Yeah. Um, well, um, it's, um, it's something that I didn't, I didn't really deal with for a long time. Um, I didn't get medication or 
any kind of help until I was 16. Um, for, for like, since I was 11 until about, until 16, I was just, I can't remember that part of my life because it was such a haze. Like, it just was like, when you turn the TV on and it's not you in this funny station and it's just that kind of black and white flickering thing and it's just, that's how it, that part of my life feels. And then I started getting help and um, coping mechanisms. Like I've got um, a deep breathing exercise. I started meditating. Um, <laughs> sounds, sounds a bit daft to say out loud, but it has really helped. Um, talking with my friends and family about it because I did not talk about it for a long, long time. And talking about it, like it's just felt like such a weight off my chest. Um, either talking to a professional or just talking to a mate. Um, and if, if I, I do sometimes still get bad days, like bad depressive episodes, and just what I usually do is get a cup of hot chocolate and watch my favourite film. And that is, is just like a hug. What's your favourite film? My favourite film is Ricky or the Story of Ricky. It's a kung fu movie. Oh. Is it a, is it a spoof? In, I don't think it was meant to be a spoof, but it is. It's really, it's really stupid, but it's my favourite film ever made. I, I'm sure I've seen it. I watch a lot of films, and I do the same. Like, films are uh, an escape. Oh, I and chokes another guy with them. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen him. I'm sure the I have. Best film ever made. It's funny uh, uh, what you said about uh, like it being a haze, because um, mm. I I I found like as I've been having a lot of therapy and doing a lot of stuff, and like sometimes I like I did it the other day. I was just driving along, and something just hit me about something that I used to do or I used to think like I used to think um I, it still sounds a bit fucking bonkers I've never said this out loud to anyone either but I used to think um I used to see shadows inside of my in my periphery vision all the time and I used to think that the reaper was coming for me and he was just waiting for me until I finally fucking ended it um and I forgot and I did that for years. And I, you know, like, I just, it's almost like I've blocked it out. It's like, and then it just kind of came back to me. And I was like, fuck, I was fucking a mess. You know, you're like, shit. Yeah, crazy. That sounds really difficult. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Oh, you're too sweet. Don't, don't, don't worry. I, I, yeah, I haven't had anything like that for a long time. But yeah, I forgot all about it. It's just weird. You kind of push things out. Um, but essentially, talking about it is the thing that makes it better. Yeah, just getting it out, either just writing it. I've started keeping a journal. That's something my therapist told me to do. It's been really helpful. Like just talking about it, just getting it out, like carrying it inside you. It just kind of rots your body from the inside out. So just getting all of your thoughts out, just spilling it up, and that's that's really helped me. Yeah, yeah, 
it's massively therapeutic. I have uh, I've been toying with, with an idea of doing a memoir, uh, mostly as a kind of idea that to tell people that you can get through it. Um, but then whenever I start doing it, whenever I start even thinking about it, I find it brings me right down. So I kind of then run away from it again. But I kind of think at some point I'd like to almost write it all down. And you know, like when you get, when you start having therapy and then you start making sense of why you might be like that. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of want to go, you want people to know about that so that maybe like they wouldn't treat other people that way and things like that. So is that, what's your plan then? Uh, What what do you want to do? Is that, do you want to write? Yeah, that's, that's the goal. Um, My goal is to, I want to write a book, just at least one book. If I write one book and I publish it, I'll be happy. I don't care if nobody reads it. I'll just be happy if I've got a book out there. And um, I'm thinking maybe if I get my my PGCE and, um, sorry, well, word went out of my head, (laughs) get my PGCE and uh, become a teacher for a university, give lectures, Um, thought that might be interesting. But I'm really just taking each day as it comes right now, just living life. It's, I, I often like the, like I quite like, like, I quite like showing off as much as there's this massive introvert inside of me who doesn't like leaving the house. There's also this other part of me that really likes showing off. And uh, I always loved the idea of being a lecturer. And you know, like, um, I think if you were a lecturer at university, you're, you can be wherever you want to be. You know, like, I think you could be quite quirky as a lecturer and everyone would be like, yeah, that's totally cool. You know, it's like, that would be a safe place to be. I wanted to work with um, children and I, I have been, actually, I've been working in a nursery, but the Tourette's has proven a, pr- a problem <laughs> for working with kids. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> so I thought that maybe... Um, Thought that maybe a lecturing would be better suited. I'd teach kids a few less new, exciting words. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever looked into? Um, I, I found when I was looking into autism uh, regarding my son, uh, and it kind of coincided with me chatting with uh, Eddie Temple Morris, who I'd done the podcast before, and he and he uh, he was like have you got ADHD? And I'm like, I don't know. And he went, well, I have. And like, I really recognise it in you because I do artwork and my artwork's pretty out there and some of it's kind of quite, um, like I kind of really pour over it, really loads of detail and things. And he was going, yeah, I reckon you've got ADHD. And then the more we were talking, the more he was going, uh, you know, he was saying, I think you have. <laughs> and then I looked into it and, um, depression's really common with people with ADHD. And the more I looked into it, the more I thought I could recognise it in myself. You know, I might have overcome a lot of things, but I really recognised it. And I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah. 
And then, uh, and then whenever anyone talks about ADHD, I can kind of see it in myself because I'm like, I'm, you know, like, I can't sit still and I can't shut up. And I, and like, at school, I can focus. And because they say there's two types of ADHD, the kind of people who are more lively and then the daydreamers. And I'm a total day. I'm massively <laughs> I don't think I focused on anything for the, a good 11 years. <laughs> I was exactly the same. I just used to, at school, I used to sit and draw pictures of guitars. It's pretty much all I did, or stare out of the window, or I'd be writing films in my head. Right. Oh my God, same. <laughs> just everything visual. <laughs> and nothing like that, what the school did ever could kind of uh, capture me at all, except art, I guess. I used to just, I used to uh, pretend to go to the toilet and then never come back and just sit in the toilets and sit and think. <laughs> Daydream for hours on end. I still do that. I, I, do, like, I used to do, I used to be a chef and I constantly be getting bangs on the door. Like, what are you doing? It's just like, I just lost half an hour. <laughs> like, I just, time just disappeared. I was just in my head for a bit. <laughs> I, used to, I used to take books in with me as well sometimes. Like, I, I became quite an obsessive reader, like, in my kind of, like, early to mid-twenties. And I just became, like, I never used to be able to read a book. And then one day, I read a book, and then... It converted me that like, I started to be able to read. I could, and now I like, devour books, but like, I couldn't then. What was the book? Catcher in the Rye. Oh, uh, I've not read that yet. I've, everybody's telling me to read it. I haven't read it. I'm ashamed. It's, uh, it's a funny one because they say it's uh, like the story that led the guy who killed John Lennon to kill John Lennon. Um, what? Yeah, that's what it, yeah. Uh, but I, I can't see it, I can't see it. it it's more of a story. i tell you what, you might really dig it because it's about a kind of person who's in their own head more than anything else. And them going on a journey uh, and being a bit braver. And, uh, and I think that's why it spoke to me because it made me feel a bit braver. Uh, and then I got stuck into all like the beat writers, you know, like um, Jack Kerouac, and uh, I read on the road. You know. Yeah, it, it, it's in the vein of on the road, really. Uh, it, it is. It's kind of I put it up there of on the road. I loved on the road, and it's a bit like that. But I think you know, it's like um, books. Like I never used to be able to sleep. Do you? Have you? Do you struggle with sleep? I cannot sleep for the life of me. I listen to podcasts actually to get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that helps. I um no, I never used to be able to sleep. I remember being really young and just get going insane because I just couldn't sleep and like I'd hear. Mind won't shut up. Hey? Your mind won't shut up. Yeah. Like your body can just be like absolutely out for the count, but your mind will just just keep going and going and going and going and going. <laughs> that, that's exactly what it was with me, and 
um, in the end, my mum was like, just lay there then. Just lay there and just... Just lay there. <laughs> yeah, like, you're relaxing, your body will have a rest, but your brain won't. And it's like, that's part of the reason I was always fucking tired. Drives <laughs> you mad. Yeah. The only thing that stopped that, uh, like, I, I went through years and years of, like, drinking, drinking and drugs and... A lot of that to try, quiet, try and quieten my brain um, or, or knock me out so I could sleep. Um, and all of that just makes it worse. But uh, I found um, when I had children, I could sleep now. It's madness. It's like overnight. Overnight, I was like, I could go sleep anywhere, anytime now. Overnight, suddenly it was like they just wear me out so much. <laughs> out even now, now they're so much older. Like you can leave them alone and that, but I still, but yeah, it just changed everything. I could start, suddenly start to sleep. And I was like, "What's going on?" It's awful. Well, that was good. Maybe I should have some kids. <laughs> yeah, just try to squeeze some out. <laughs> just, just go no, for it. some kids. <laughs> Maybe I can get a good night's sleep finally. Yeah, yeah. All the parents listening to this that are just fuming, they'll be so angry. Fuck it. <laughs> I'll just squeeze a couple of kids out and see what happens. Just give it a go. Oh. So you'd like to, I read, but the thing is though, if you wrote a book, uh, you could probably get some really good publicity. And you probably would sell quite a few of them. <laughs> it probably would. Yeah, you would have. So how did the TED Talk thing come about then, Rosie? Because that was in America, wasn't it? Um, well, they just got in touch with us and said, uh, do you want to do a talk um, in um, DC? And we thought it meant Doncaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we said, yeah, and they were like, oh, we'll fly you over. And I'm like, what? <laughs> We had no idea. We like because um, we did we did talks. Me and my mum, and um, they and they thought this was, and this was like the big one. I don't think we've ever done anything bigger than this. Um, but I was so shit scared. Like I was, I had really bad stage fright. I don't do the talks anymore because they just had panic attacks that lasted lasted days, like just continuous panic attacks. Worth it, is it? Um, and so I just stopped because it was horrible for my mental health but um, we did want to do like raise awareness and acceptance so and the TED talk was the big one and after I did it I threw up did you? I was so scared do you know what though you really, have you watched it back because you don't look well, I um, don't watch my stuff back but you did I, you, you, you did I watched it once and it, I just cringed into a into oblivion. <laughs> I can't look at myself on screen. Um, it's very heavily edited. <laughs> I was ticking and stammering all over the place. <laughs> Does that get worse when you're nervous then? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I've been on um, TV a few times, like I said, and when it's live, I'm just ticking and ticking all over the place. And I said the F word in front of... Tom Hanks once, which I will never forget. 
Oh, wow. But did you get to meet him? I did, and it was insane. That's the most insane thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> that was, um, we were doing a, a little thing about uh, going to university when you're differently abled. And he was promoting one of his films on the one show, and it was the most insane day of my life. Yeah. yeah. I said the F word in front of him. I can't, I can't see that Tom Hanks would be bothered, though. I, I, he seems like such a lovely man. He was really nice. So I, was, I was just so nervous. And Ron Howard was there as well, and I said the F word in front of Ron. You said the F word in front of Richie from Happy Days. You probably don't remember <laughs> At that point, I'd never seen Happy Days, but afterwards, people told me to watch Happy Days because I met him. Wow, I grew up with that. And now he's like the biggest filmmaker in the world. That's pretty amazing. It's, 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 it's really nice that you're able to, that um, you've had those good, like those like crazy fun amazing experiences though you know it's like um turning it round you know like, like for me I, I feel like like doing the podcast has given me some really great experiences and the ability to talk to people i've never spoken to before and i almost feel like it's it's like i'm starting to turn the depression around i'm turning it into something that's actually been like good for me now, you know, like I'm getting, getting good things out of all the, the turmoil and, um, and it, it feels like it's just turning it all around in a really positive way now. And, uh, and I think it's when really I nice. Sorry. Oh? sorry. When I, when I first heard about the podcast, I thought like that it was a fantastic idea. Like I thought it was amazing before you, you asked me to be on it. <laughs> so, well, thank you, thank you. Uh, it's, yeah, it can, like it can be a bit of a mess sometimes, <laughs> but um, like the other oh. guy, I used to do it with another guy, and he stopped like just before lockdown, and uh, it did spiral me a bit. Uh, but then I was like, no, no, I get so much out of it, and it helps. It keeps me sane. So I was like, nah, you know, it really kind of. Um, do you ever find, you know, like with depression, it just saps your motivation? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You just don't want to do anything, like even scroll on your phone or watch TV or anything. You just want to lie down and pretend to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it just, and I think, like, people don't, that's another thing, you know, like the thing that people just don't really see that. It's like, I don't actually want to just do fuck all. I don't actually want to. I'd love to be able to do something and uh, live a more fulfilling life. But, you know, like, depression uh, let me. Just, uh, <laughs> so, um, I'll be frozen. No, have I? Am I back? I'll be back. returned. <laughs> I think it, like, you're, you, where, where are you in the world? Right. Hello? 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 Oh. Am I back? This might be me. Me. Um, let me try. Oh, this is better. <clears throat> you back? There we go. <laughs> 
I've got a really bad internet at my house. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. That's, that's why I was wondering where you were. Like, are you? Do you live in a rural location? Um, yeah, we live in a tiny mining village in Yorkshire. <laughs> uh, yeah, my uh, mother-in-law's from um, Huddersfield. Is that far? We're near Huddersfield. Um, we're about uh, half an hour away from Huddersfield. Oh, it's not far then. My brother-in-law's from Huddersfield as well. I think he was like the only black guy in Huddersfield for quite a long time. <laughs> I don't think he had too much. I think he was quick to leave actually because of that. So, have, um, so have you found it difficult to have relationships and things? Has that become difficult for you? Um, I, it has. It's been a while actually. Um, my last uh, long-term girlfriend was. Um, Oh, it was before university, actually, I can't, um, when I was about 17, and now I'm 22. <laughs> um, I've, I've sort of taken a break from romantic relationships to work on myself, and I'm starting to get in a, in a headspace now where I wanted to start dating again. Um, but it, 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 beforehand, it was, it was difficult to meet new people because, well, people were freaked out by the tics, and... Um, Autism makes, um, oh, blah, 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 excuse me. <laughs> um, autism sometimes makes it a little bit difficult to connect people with people naturally, even though you really want to. Yeah. And um, the mental health thing wasn't great either. Um, and also, I'm from a tiny mining village, and there's not many gay people around. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, uh, like. Um, I've often, um, like, I've spoken to, I've had, spoken to gay people on here, gay people, um, but I, I kind of uh, get this impression, like, um, you know, like, if, if you if you don't feel confident to come out to your parents, um, then it's almost like, you know, like we were saying earlier about, uh, like, having to hide something about you and how mm. damaging that is. Yeah. And I was, sorry, I was I was so scared to come out to my parents for years. I, I knew since I was twelve, and I was just I don't think I've talked about my sexuality before. <laughs> um, on are you alright? Yeah, Thanks. yeah, that's fine. It's fine. Um, but I was so I knew since I was twelve, and I was petrified. But it turns out my bet my, my parents had had a bet with with each other for since I was eight. So I should have really? worried about. <laughs> But, so they thought you were gay? My mum did. She had a bet with my dad and he still owes other 10 quid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, yeah, you would never have known that, uh, that all that time they were all right with it. I was just absolutely shitting it. <laughs> and then I told them and they were like, Honey, <laughs> you want me a tenner? I was right. <laughs> so, uh, that's a, so, you know, like I was saying, like, you know, uh, I remember, like, um, my grandpa being very, um, very, like, homophobic. And it, being a really lovely man, he would still have that bit in him when he's, like, really homophobic. And it just never really clicked and made sense to me. It's like, if you're really nice, then why would you be bothered what other people do? Um, and... Uh, 
And then I, I remember just kind of having a go at him and going, well, you know, like, no one's going to choose a path that makes them separate and in a position where potentially people aren't going to accept them. Like, you know, mm. like this idea that people have a choice, you know, it just fucking winds me up. It's like, no, people don't choose things. <laughs> you don't get choices. Like, you don't choose yeah. your sexuality. But I think a lot of people still think that. It's just madness. Utter madness. Well, there's information out there, a lot of um, societal segregation. Like, people have this... Um, it's, I mean, it's the same with anything other, the same with mental health or being disability or just um, having a different skin colour from being a, from a different place. Like, just people see this other, like, think, that's not like me. It must be bad. And it's a very, it's like an archaic idea, but it's like a, but pe something pe people still struggle with. Just, that's not like me. That's different to what I know, so it must be bad. And if we all just accepted that people are different, and <laughs> not everybody is going to be exactly like you, then we'd be a lot happier. <laughs> well, I, I always seem to come back to, why do you care? You know, someone's got a problem with a different nationality, a different sexuality, a disability, you know, mental health. I'm just like, why do you care? Like, what odds does it make if other people do things differently to you? Like, I don't understand it. I don't understand it, so it's wrong. It's, when I was doing my degree, we, we did uh, like a lot of talk about um, how people need to put things into boxes. Um, so, and if they put them in a box, I can understand it and I can put it over there with that lot. And then you put that in a box and you put that over there with that lot. And that is how people make sense of the world. Um, and then if you then throw all those things that don't fit into boxes, that creates fear. Um, mm -hmm. and fear creates anger. And like, that's where it comes from. It's like that kind of thing that, that you can't put it into a box I can't understand. Uh, and that's why you get like, um, when you look at things like, uh, you know, LGBTQ, it's trying to kind of create a box somehow yeah. <laughs> to say, all right, look, we've got a box. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're all right now, we've got a box. And even that, I'm like, well, no, no, it's good that there's more awareness, but still, you know, fuck the boxes. <laughs> Some people like really enjoy labels because they're like, oh, there's a word for what I am. I didn't know what it was before and it freaked me out. But now I know that there's other people like this and there's a word for it and I'm happy. But some people just do not give a fuck. Like people, people are just like, this is me. There's no word for what I am apart from my name. And y'all have got to live with that. And both are equally valid. Like, Yeah, I quite respect that, to be honest. I respect people who've got the balls to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not as ballsy as that. But yeah, it's true. Like, how did you feel with like getting diagnosis and things like that? Did did you did that help you? Um, well, I didn't really. I was diagnosed when I was nine, which is quite early for girls with autism, um, or autistic girls, whichever one you prefer. Um, uh, and I was the the only re the only really picked up that I was autistic because of my brother, really. 
and thought that well he's autistic so we might as well test her as well um, um but I, I don't think i would have been diagnosed if it hadn't been for my brother but i don't i don't know if it really did help really because well when i was growing up the services for disabled kids weren't great and they especially weren't great in my tiny little mining village where like my little sister was the first disabled person to go to my school and the local school and the, the, my, the headrester was really freaked out about it they were like we, we don't know if we can take her we wouldn't know what to do like there were no ramps at the school or anything <laughs> um and um, i didn't get really any support growing up from from like from like academic or um so, social services or anything um I, I got a lot of support from my family and my, and my friends and that which was which was lovely but um i'm not sure how my diagnosis has changed other than the the work i've been able to do for awareness and having like like i said earlier having this name for what I am and um, how I behave. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just another part of my life. Like, like this is what I am, and I I'm not going to change, and I don't really want to change. So, how did you feel? You know, uh, when like with mental health, did you get a diagnosis for your mental health? I did. Yeah, I got a diagnosis of. Um, depression when I was 16 and uh, anxiety and PTSD when I was 16 but I had been suffering from it for years I just didn't want to say anything like there was that um, set, not set, what's, the, what's the word I've forgotten the word what's it called <laughs> there was that stigma of yeah. I wanted to be tough I wanted to be tough for my family and not be this weak person um, so I didn't I didn't get a diagnosis for that until I was sixteen, but that that helped in that I started getting medication and therapy and all that, and um, my family kind of understood what I was going through really. Yeah, it's a weird one. I think like for me, like I did, I got diagnosed with clinical depression when I was young, but then um, it was only maybe two and a half years ago I got like a formal sort of consultant psychiatrist and they actually told me exactly what I had um, and I, I, I was like relieved and broken at the same time it was really strange yeah. it's nice to have like something to confirm your suspicions but also oh no yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck I really am fucks. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know, like with, with my son, we didn't know uh, how to kind of broach it because he got um, diagnosed, he was probably seven, maybe. Um, he, when he went from uh, like primary, like, in, you know, like nursery into school, he did. He, he couldn't cope with it. Motherfucker! Excuse me. <laughs> it's a really serious story. <laughs> so well, I, don't, I, well, I tell you what, I've got the filthiest mouth in the world. Is nothing like that's going to bother me. That wasn't me. All right, that was that was Madame Tourette's. <laughs> it's all right. 
Um, yeah, but uh, so it was like initially, like they wanted to get the diagnosis, and we were like, but like my wife got cancer uh, at the time, so we mm. were like, uh, he might just be responding to all of this. But they put in a one-to-one worker with him straight away. He's had like one-to-one for like five years, and um, that's great, that amazing. Um, but I was kind of like, I don't want him to be labelled because it's mm. so early, he's so young. Um, and then when, after about two years, my wife, she had all the surgery and the treatment and that, we were like, Jude started, um, it became much more apparent. Like he, he, he has ticks and things in it. Um, uh, it became so much more apparent. And we're like, okay, look, we're going, let's do it now. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And um, it basically confirmed everything we knew. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it was weird because we didn't know how to really break it with him. Because I think he knew he was different because he weren't like all the other kids. Like, he tends to play on his own. He's very, very young for his age. You know, like, he's 10, but he's almost still five. And uh, uh, But we told him and... He he seems to really like it. It's like, it's like there's this word for what I am, and it explains everything. Yeah, and uh, it, like he was saying to us the other day, why do people not? Why would people? We're like, do you like being autistic? And he's like, why wouldn't you want to be autistic? <laughs> and he's like, and I'm just thinking, well, I can kind of see really because you're always happy and you always get really excited about everything, and I'm like. He sounds like a lovely boy. Oh, yeah, he's dead sweet. And you think, yeah, yeah. I suppose, in many ways, like, I'm quite jealous of, like, the way you don't get bothered about things and that. I get quite jealous about it. So would you say that the the, the support for um, autistic kids and different able kids is, is good, is better now? Like, uh, um, Yeah, it's better. Uh, I think that is much better, like, Sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, yeah, it is, but I'm going through a battle for, in it, like, he's been approved for, a, you know, a more specialist school. Mm. The need's so high that, like, I'm, I'm going for a battle to get him into it, you know. Um, and there's, because he's coming up to senior school after next year, so like, I'm getting quite anxious about sorting that out. Mm. It's funny what you say, though. Um, like, you know, I live in Essex. I'm on the edge of London. And you things are all right. They're archaic and men are very manly. Um, but, you know, like, things are reasonably mm. cosmopolitan, you know? Like, like basically, you know, gay people don't really get any shit around it, you know? There's, and, you know, things are generally all right. Uh, and there's pretty good services for, you know, disability and that kind of thing, because I work for the council and everything. But, um, so it must be a lot harder in a small mining village where, uh, like, change must be so much slower. Mm. Well, um, like, it was it was bad growing up with, um, with, with the kids in this village where, like, there's barely any people of colour. <laughs> like, I think we're the, one of the only, like, families with a disabled person. And we've, we've got three. 
and we had like like there was a bloke who used to bring his kids to the house and to look for the monsters and they used to like sing the Adams family theme tune outside his house and we ended up getting blackout blinds so they wouldn't we'd stop coming um and um so just um growing up like different in this in this tiny village where everyone want everyone knows everybody and we did feel a bit like the Adams family <laughs> but the Adams family are lit as fuck so yeah, no, 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 that's what I was about to say. I'm like, I'm fucking goth as hell. I'd be like, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I'm dark. I'll eat, I'll eat you. <laughs> I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like, it's, yeah, I suppose it's just different mentality, isn't it? I like things that are different, you know, I think. I love Christina Ricky. Oh? <laughs> I love Christina Ricky. <laughs> yeah, Christina Ricky is, um, He's one of my crushes, actually. Ooh. Yeah, I um. Have you seen uh, Buffalo '66? I haven't. It's one of my favourite all-time films. Uh, and she's like, it's really weird because it's uh, it's a Vincent Gallo film. Like you put it how I'm obsessed with films, and Vincent Gallo films are all pretty misogynistic, and she's in a very misogynistic she's like very much the little lady in it yeah. um, but <laughs> it's just so many it's proper quirky in the old film and she's like amazing in it and um yeah i tend to go out my way to watch anything with her in it have you seen monster monster mm. with the aline Werner's film yes yes he's fantastic in that that's a brilliant film, mate. Yeah. Yeah, that's a brilliant film. Yeah. Yeah, I've... She was in um, Ali McBeal for a while as well. I believe. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Because she always used to be fairly kind of... Um, like, when she kind of grew up a bit, she was much more curvy, wasn't she? And now she's, like, rakishly thin. And like, why is everyone rakishly thin all the time? <laughs> I can I can only see her as Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as many films, I can only see her as Wednesday. Yeah. Anyway, we've got enough track. Yeah, we have, we have. Well, like we've done an hour, so like we kind of need to round up. Um, oh wow, that went quite fast. Yeah, it did go fast. Yeah, it does go fast. It's because like you're having a good chat. It's nice to have a good chat. I think. Yeah. Um, so. Depart some wisdom that you've learned along the way then, Rosie. That's what I'm after. Um, oof. <laughs> um, I can't try to think up some wisdom. Oh, I'm not a very wistful person. <laughs> what would you... Um, well, we've talked a lot about like difference and that kind of thing. And if you could say something to people about that, what would you say? I think there's a lot of pressure on people to sort of break themselves down to fit into this role of what people want them to be or what society wants you to be. <laughs> I feel so pretentious saying this, but honestly, if you just live your truth, like even just even if it's something terrifying or something that will 
get get you ridiculed in places like you've got you've just got to be true to who you are you living a lie is so much worse than living than living your truth but getting ridiculed for it like just be yourself kids <laughs> be yourself and you'll be okay <laughs> i totally agree i think like all the time you're not i i think you're quietly damaging yourself without knowing it Mm. like having to try and put on this face is basically you telling yourself constantly that you're not good enough yeah and okay, that, you need to be this person in order to be accepted like even if people don't accept you just being who you are and living your truth is just it's so much it's so worth it and if people like there's something that dr you says and um i can't remember the exact quote um be who you are and say what you feel and because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. I might, I'm paraphrasing a bit, that might be wrong, but I like that quote. Well, I like that quote a lot and uh, I want to finish on that because that was, that was really sweet, brilliant end, I think. Rosie, thank you, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Um, I really enjoyed chatting with you, Nick. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.